all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. When I was a teenager, I heard this verse a lot because I had a number of friends who were more conservative Christians with a fairly literalist understanding of the Bible. And they would often quote this verse, sometimes using the translation, God breathed, where the translation we heard this morning reads, inspired by God. Now, the Greek word can really mean either one. It means something like our word inspired, which means both spirit and also breath. Think about the word respiration. And so it's an ambiguous word that has to do with spirit and breathing and all these wonderful things. But there is a difference between believing that the scriptures are inspired by God, perhaps that God has breathed life into these texts, and believing that the scriptures are literally breathed out of the mouth of God, that God is dictating or has spoken these texts verbatim. And the word itself doesn't tell us but as a bit of a contrarian, I would sometimes point out that there is that difference. And I would also point out that it felt like a circular argument to quote scripture as proof of the inerrancy of scripture. And so my friends and I would have this argument. And we never really settled it, because how does one settle something like that? But even though I didn't share my friend's more literal understanding of scripture, I have a lot of admiration for the way they loved scripture. Because these friends of mine memorized verses and memorized entire chapters of the Bible at a time. They played games of Bible trivia. They recognized obscure characters and obscure place names and they knew where they fit into the story. They marinated their minds in scripture. They loved it and they lived by it. Now, Episcopalians and other liturgical Christians often pride ourselves on how much scripture we read in church, and we do. Three readings every Sunday, more than that at morning and evening prayer throughout the week that take us through almost the entire Bible over a couple of years. But as a tradition, we may not tend to do as well with personal study of the Bible. And so hearing three isolated snippets of scripture outside of their context on a Sunday doesn't necessarily by itself help people know and understand the overall story of Scripture. And so there are many devoted Christians who don't feel they know the Bible too well and who may know that they aren't fundamentalists but might not be quite sure what they do believe about the Bible. It doesn't help that reading the Bible can be hard. And one thing that sometimes happens is that people start from the beginning and attempt to go straight through, which goes very well at first in the book of Genesis, <laughs> as they encounter powerful, readable stories like the one we heard this morning, where Jacob, the ancestor of the people of Israel, wrestles all night with a mysterious stranger who turns out to be God. This is good. And Adam and Eve, Noah and the ark, Joseph and the technicolor dream coat, these <laughs> These are stories that most of us have some passing familiarity with, even if we haven't studied scripture as adults. And then we get into Exodus, the second book of the Bible, and things stay pretty good for a while. We have Moses floating in a basket in the Nile, and we have 10 plagues in Egypt and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. 
And then the Israelites make it to Mount Sinai and receive the law from above. And then things get a little bogged down. And after 30 or 40 chapters of the ceremonial law, people begin to get a little discouraged. And somewhere towards the end of Exodus or in the book of Leviticus, or maybe they make it all the way to the histories of the kings of Israel and the lists of their mighty fighting men. But somewhere in the midst of this, people get a little bogged down. And so attempts to read the Bible cover to cover as if it was a novel or a single book often go awry. And part of the issue is that our culture tends to think of the Bible as a book, when what the Bible really is, is a library. The word biblia itself is plural. It means the books. And there are 66 of them. Actually more, if you count the ones that some Christians accept and others don't. And they are all different. They have different points of view, different perspectives, different theological agendas, different literary styles. And across these 60 or 70 books, there is nonetheless an overall narrative that I think that Christians can discern. And some scholars have suggested that we can sum up that narrative as something like creation, <coughs> fall, Israel, Jesus, church, and God's future. Creation. God creates a beautiful universe that is good and beloved. Fall. Evil and death enter into this beautiful universe that God loves and continues to love. Israel. One particular people in the ancient world comes to know and love God in a special way. Jesus, the center of the story for us as Christians. The incarnate word of God becomes a member of that people, lives and dies as one of us, goes freely to a criminal's death after a life of justice and healing, and conquers death by being raised from the dead. The church, the time period we live in now, when Jesus' friends and followers spread the good news and participate in Jesus' mission. And finally, God's future. The mysterious fulfillment of all things that is yet to come that we can't describe well in precise language, but that scripture gives us multiple images of. The heavenly banquet, the restored creation, the universe at peace, eternal abundant life. Creation, fall, Israel, Jesus, church, God's future. A very quick, very 30,000 foot overview of a narrative with many twists and turns. And that narrative gets told through different kinds of literature through history, but also through myth, legend, folklore, hymnody, poetry, love poetry, prophetic visions, and more. And so we can't read the Bible in just one way. Instead, this is an inexhaustible treasury that yields more the more we come back to it and the more different lenses we read it through. So what we need is a theology that takes inspiration seriously because this book is inspired without getting stuck in literalism. 
There's a traditional Anglican way of describing the scriptures that goes in that direction. And that's to say that the Holy Scriptures are the word of God and contain all things necessary to salvation. Contain all things necessary to salvation. That's part of a declaration that everyone who's ordained as a deacon, priest, or bishop in this church must make. And notice what it says and doesn't say. It doesn't say that the scriptures are literally inerrant in a single way. It doesn't say that they are a scientific textbook about how the world was created. It doesn't say that all the lists of those kings and mighty men are precisely in the order that it happened if we were there with a video camera. But what it does say is that everything necessary to salvation is in there. That you don't need anything else besides what is in the Bible to know everything you need to know about the love of God, about the person of Jesus, and about the power of the Spirit. Holy Scripture contains all things necessary to salvation. And in the prayer book, there is a catechism towards the back part of the book that gives a little bit more about what it means to call Scripture the Word of God. It has a question and answer format. And on page 853, look it up later, it says, why do we call the Holy Scriptures the Word of God? And the answer is, we call them the Word of God because God inspired their human authors and because God still speaks to us through the Bible. So we believe not that God dictated these texts, but that the human people who wrote these texts in their own places and times did so in response to God's call and that God worked through them in the writing. But just as important, we believe that God speaks through these texts today. Not just in the time they were being written, but today. The life comes up off of these pages when we read it and study it together. Sometimes that takes work. Sometimes scripture is hard, or challenging, or scary, or boring. Sometimes we have to wrestle with scripture until it blesses us, like Jacob wrestling all night with the living God. But there is always a blessing to be found. Scripture is the word of God. We can affirm that. And also we affirm that scripture is not the only or even the primary sense of what it means to call something the word of God. Because fundamentally, the word of God is not a book, it's a person. Each Sunday, we proclaim that we believe in Jesus Christ, the incarnate word of God, the word that God spoke before creation and is still speaking today. And the Bible is the word of God in that it brings that incarnate word to life in us, with us, when we gather and hear it proclaimed. I'd like to leave us with a prayer that was written for the very first prayer book. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us 
through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.